0: So, so things were going very right until they suddenly went very wrong, mm-hmm. basically. Um, and then I suddenly found myself um, at thirty weeks, no longer pregnant, but standing between, standing rather uncomfortably, immediately after an emergency C-section, um, between two incubators. <laughs>
1: Hello and welcome back to the Vintage Books Podcast. We've got a really special episode today. Francesca Siegel is here in the studio talking about her book, Mothership. Francesca is an incredible fiction book writer. Her works include The Awkward Age and The Innocence, which actually won the Costa Book Awards. But after giving birth to her twins and finding herself keeping vigil by their side in hospital since they were born months early, she turned to writing, specifically her diary. That diary became the book Mothership, which reads in this incredible way somewhere between a love poem and a thriller, all about her temporary life in limbo among a band of mothers who are vivid and fearless and hilarious uh, and not only take care of their own children but end up taking care of each other everyone from elizabeth day to author of this is going to hurt adam Kay, is a fan including me and we have been working on a very special podcast theme project around the topic that we're going to tell you about uh, in this podcast but without further ado i would love you to meet francesca Francesca, welcome to The Vintage Podcast. Thanks for coming in. And I'm really excited uh, to talk a little bit to you about a really exciting project we've both been working on um, to do with the book. Uh, But let's talk a little bit about Mothership, the book, first. Tell me, um, you have been a fiction writer for a really long time. How did you get into writing? Like, Have you always been a writer, or is that...? I have
0: certainly always wanted to be a writer. I don't know that I would have had the confidence to call myself a writer for a long time, but it's the only thing I ever remember wanting to do or be. Um, I um, was writing before I could write. Um, I used to walk along the street telling myself long and complicated stories um, and that just really evolved into sitting alone in a room telling myself long and complicated (laughs) stories. I still can't really believe that I get to do this as a job.
1: We'll we'll let you. You're here. It's real. I promise. (laughs) Um, I'm a witness. Um, Tell me, uh, so about your fiction, um, that's obviously like different studies of different family dynamics and, and, and really like thinking about, um, different human experiences when you came to uh, to mothership, which is is talking it's non fiction it's really about you and it's quite personal. What was the difference between getting into somebody else's head and talking about their experiences and having to like put yourself on paper a little bit bleed onto paper and um yeah, almost literally in the case of this memoir um, and <laughs> i um
0: never imagined that I would write about myself, even the idea of it would have been an anathema to me um for a long time mm. and um I suppose what changes is that I then suddenly had something urgent and what felt very important that I wanted to write about. Um, And um, it was a completely different experience. I'm always quite defensive when people ask, you know, in in the context of fiction, you know, how much of this is, how much of this, it's a kind of standard journalistic question, how much of this is based on your real life? Mm. And and I have to go over that sort of very old ground of just because I'm a woman and I might be writing in the head of another woman, it doesn't necessarily mean that we are the same woman. Um, And that was made a little bit easier in my most recent book because that was to do with parenting teenagers, um, which I was not doing. It was to do with divorce, which I had not been through. It was to do with bereavement, which I also, you know, losing a spouse, which Mm. I... Also had not, thankfully. And um, there is always that sort of having to sort of clarify that you are not writing about yourself. I think one has to write alone. without You cannot write and edit and critique at the same time, otherwise you get nowhere. Um, But really, in particular with Mothership, I just had to write um, for myself um, with actually a deep and true belief that actually this might just be something I was writing for myself, for my daughters. Um, You know, a diary and a memoir of of a very, very... Um, important and intense time in our family life Mm. um, and that afterwards I would look at it and see whether I felt comfortable um, putting it into the world and whether I also felt like it was something of value um, for anyone else to read and that was by no means a foregone conclusion when I was writing.
1: Yeah, definitely, and it feels as well like um, I imagine like with fiction, you're kind of um, convincing other people that these things that really haven't happened have happened, and with this, it's kind of more convincing yourself because it sounds like such a surreal experience that putting it down, <laughs> you know, makes it more real. It's so interesting you say that. It. Uh,
0: that's, yeah, it's so interesting you say that because there were a few things where I thought, well, I wonder if this really was the way I remembered it, mm. and then I went back into um, I downloaded desktop WhatsApp. Um, I read through absolutely every WhatsApp message I'd sent through that whole period. And I had my hospital notes and my daughter's hospital notes. And so I cross referenced all these things and I thought, gosh, actually some of these really extreme, um, things that happened, events that took place on the ward that I thought perhaps I had exaggerated or maybe misremembered
1: actually did happen the yeah. way... And in such a short space of time as well. Right. You're like, oh, that must have been a month. And you're like, no, no, that was a week. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> a week yeah. of emotional experiences. So we haven't actually talked about about this big experience in your life. So tell me, you're a fiction writer, um, you um, are pregnant with twins... Uh, And you're presumably expecting what we see on TV, which is that you go into hospital, you scream a bit, you have some beautiful children, you hold them. You go home eventually, things are great. That's not what happened. Tell us a little bit about that. That
0: was, um, yeah, that was pretty much it. I was... um, Thirty-five, pregnant with identical twins, um, my first pregnancy, and feeling inordinately smug, actually, I think, with hindsight, probably revoltingly smug for the people around me. Um, And I was aware, sort of in my peripheral vision, that several aspects of that um, made me high risk. Um, I was a geriatric pregnancy, which is so appalling, (laughs) isn't it, when you think about it. Um, The language is so offensive. Mm -hmm. And um, identical twins is, Mm -hmm. you know, humans are not really meant to carry litters. Um, identical twins are also high risk because you're sharing a placenta and there's lots of um, issues connected with that but I felt so great Um, I felt really strong and brave and sort of warrior like in a way that I hadn't even before that point so I really didn't believe anything was going wrong even as it was going wrong. Um, I started bleeding very unexpectedly, um, and went into hospital thinking, "Well, I'm sure this will all resolve, and I'll go back to." Yeah,
1: because you it. were how many weeks off off your due date by then? Ten weeks. Yeah, so you're like, "I've got loads of time, don't worry." Yeah, about bags
0: of time. <laughs> um, and they put me on the um antenatal ward, and everyone else. There was one point when everyone else on the ward was crying. And I thought, gosh, well, I mean, I'm not crying because there's nothing really happening to me. I'm not having a baby. Yeah. So so things were going very right until they suddenly went very wrong, mm-hmm. basically. Um, and then I suddenly found myself, um, at 30 weeks, no longer pregnant, but standing between, standing rather uncomfortably immediately after an emergency C-section um, between two incubators. Um, and um, everything that I thought was about to unfold was completely derailed mm-hmm. um, at that moment. And then, and mothership is... Um, the diary of the 56 days that my daughter spent in hospital before Mm. they were well enough to come home.
1: And when you um, were thinking about kind of putting that down on paper, obviously at the beginning you were like, "Mm, shall I share this, Um, should should I not? I think that it's really interesting because there's obviously so many misconceptions that you had before going into that experience. Tell us about the few misconceptions you had and then things that you may... As often, like, for me, somebody who hasn't gone through it is a really fascinating read and something that I wouldn't have known about otherwise. But tell us of maybe a few little things about things that people might not expect about the experience of having a premature baby. And I think
0: the first um, misconception I had was that I didn't really have any understanding of how long we would be in hospital... Um, Even though they'd come very early and I understood that they were very small, they were just over a kilo each. Um, I don't think I understood at that point, and maybe that's for the best, that we were likely to spend um, months in hospital rather than weeks or even days. It's um, not a linear journey, that it's things go up and down on a neonatal intensive care ward and that's to be expected. Um, The other thing that I never would have expected, and that was actually one of the things I really wanted to um, write about, was that I would make the most precious, beloved, cherished friends in this extremely improbable and unlikely circumstance. Mm. The other mothers on the ward were really, you know, this book is is a love letter to the NHS, it's a love letter to my daughters, but it's also a love letter to this group of women who um, really kept each other afloat in a way that I thought was just extraordinary and worth celebrating.
1: Definitely. And I suppose it's also just um how how such it's such in some ways such a specific experience, but also so many women go through it. And that's another thing that you taught me that I didn't know about how many Women go through it. What's the statistic? Right, there think? are
0: sixty thousand premature babies born every year in wow. the United Kingdom. So yeah. that's it's more than I think people imagine.
1: Yeah. And that's a, you know that means at least one hundred and twenty thousand parents going through that. Right, and all the people that touch those people's lives. And again, like um, the the kind of thing of not knowing what to say and and people not really knowing how to handle it. I think as well, it's really useful to read because obviously I'm going to know people in my life that will go through that. <laughs> and also, what I think is interesting, it brings up lots of other topics about life, about death, about the ethics of life and death in those kind of situations and and how you protect life um at what point is it your baby and at what point is it the the because what's interesting as well is that once you've given birth that the baby is a, is a patient in themselves right <laughs> they're not really you, you know your charge you have to give over all your hopes to to the doctors but yeah it must have also brought up a lot of stuff for you about how it's a kind of wider experience and changed your perspective on everything yeah I think I mean I think that was what I really wanted
0: to explore and think about in the book was was um, this just how many people's parenting journeys begin outside begin and sometimes continue outside of the mainstream um, and how important it is that all those stories are told Um, because there is this very strong dominant narrative um, that I think we all on one level or another aspire towards um, of healthy pregnancy easy birth um, skin to skin You know, easy breastfeeding journey, home you go to bond and connect and um, after your, you know, aromatherapy, water birth or whatever. And there are just so many of us whose birth story didn't go that way. It doesn't have to be prematurity. There are, you know, a myriad of different reasons why um, that story can derail. And I think it's really important that all versions are told not to frighten people but also not to patronise and also for all those many, 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 many women whose birth stories deviate from that Mm. to know that they are not alone um and that that's a beautiful story for those who go through it but that there are many many other beginnings um and one ought not to feel lesser or isolated or cast out in some way because um the way your parenting journey began didn't quite look like that
1: that makes a lot of sense. Um, having now released the book and it's um, just out in paperback, which is really exciting, um, how do you feel about it? People's responses to it must have been, you know, I, I don't know what you'd think to expect, but there's always unexpected things. How has it been?
0: I had no idea really what to expect putting this book out there. And what has been incredible and beautiful and moving and just amazing has been this um, people writing to me and telling me their own stories. Um, I... People write to you when you write novels. Um, Often they like to write to you and tell you that you've got some very, very specific, (laughs) nuanced detail of, like, the filling of a pastry roll or something, which is not to say that those things aren't important. But, um, no, you do get lovely letters when you write fiction, but but this has been just on a totally different scale and in a totally different way. Um, People have been so generous and made themselves so vulnerable and also have really made me understand that there is a need for this and a need for... um, women to find a way to connect it's very lonely and very isolating to have a baby on in intensive care or on special care Um, and it can be pretty lonely and isolating to take a baby home from either of those places um processing a trauma that sets you apart from you know a happy nct group who are meeting in their local Mm. starbucks and it really made me realise that people need to hear you might feel lonely, you might feel isolated, but you're not alone. There are so many of us mm. going through or who have been through something similar who understand.
1: Mm. And you live in the legacy of it as well, it sounds well especially we've talked a lot about Clonel wipes. But right. The idea of like this fear of, of, of having to protect your baby from germs and, and and everything else that goes along with that what do we expect after a baby is born? <laughs> not what we got. Yeah. <laughs> He was my baby and I couldn't protect
0: him. I had all these expectations of having a baby, but really what I'd had was Sonny. Just that person and he just happened to be a baby when I met him. I just can't
1: believe like, how small a head could possibly be.
0: This is a story about a pregnancy that doesn't end the way it should. About what happens when your baby is born too early to survive alone. We were saying earlier, like, you're you're living day to day, not knowing if you're going to get the chance to be a mum. He was Mm. born alive. What a victory. But also, it was a violence to be separated from him. I really felt that I had been split like a fish and sewn up together, and I was empty, and I was without him. It's about the parents, the babies, and the doctors who save them. It's about what happens when your life doesn't turn out quite the way you expect, and
1: the untold story of what comes next. Some of the emphasis on natural birth, which is meant to be empowering, it can make those of us who have needed every unnatural intervention (laughs) to get our babies out alive, it can make us feel like lesser. No one knew what to say. Some people sent cards. Um, Some people didn't send cards. I didn't know what annoyed me more.
0: Mothership, this podcast about stories that start before the beginning,
1: presented by my mummy. Let's talk a little bit about the project we've been working on, um, which is Mothership the Podcast. <laughs> which I'm super,
0: super excited about. So
1: this comes out really of people's responses to the book, doesn't it? You're thinking right. actually, right, there's more work to be done here. Tell me a little bit about um you know, what you're excited about, what it's about.
0: Well, that was the thing. I think after um Mothership came out in hardback, um, I just got these amazing messages and, and it reached a sort of critical mass where I suddenly thought, actually these these are women who deserve And need more, Mm -hmm. um, and that there is really um, an appetite for these stories um, and a need for them. So, um, you and I have been working on um, a six-part podcast, um, a companion and uh, a companion to the book, and also an expansion on the themes in it. So. my friends who appear in the book have got their own fan clubs.
1: You rightly your, so. Your WhatsApp group. My WhatsApp live group live here in the studio. Absolutely. <laughs> um. you, met, you met in the milking shed. Can we explain a little bit what a milking shed is? Because i shed, a milking shed. Yeah. <laughs> The milking
0: shed is, on the neonatal intensive care ward, Um, one of really the only things that we are told over and over and over again that we can do for our babies is express breast milk. Mm. Um, And so there is um, an expressing room, which we very quickly came to call the milking shed. Um, And these, um, my WhatsApp group is formed of um, four of us who met. Um in the milking shed, um and have stayed very close since then. um and um and yes, on one of the episodes, we all got together and had a good gossip yeah. um and it's six episodes of speaking to my friends, my doctors, my nurses, um the professionals, the parents and caregivers, um and um,
1: yeah people who have been through it and different experiences right. and expressions of the because as well we have Sophie Ellis Bexter on yeah (laughs) Sophie Ellis Bexter who's had
0: Uh, not one but two premature babies two
1: premature babies and five C-sections I know she's a hero she is a hero so I'm always greedy for more book recommendations, and I always find that authors are probably the best source of that because you guys are the absolute bosses of literature. Um, is there anything that you're reading at the moment that you love, or anything that has particularly inspired you? Have that I you copy? read?
0: Uh, it's not so much particularly inspired me, but I loved. Um, I've just loved *The Tortoise and the Hare* by Elizabeth Jenkins. Oh, Have you read, read
1: that? It. No, I've heard about oh, it. So though. good. Oh, okay. Pick it up. Pick it up. Thank you so much for listening to The Vintage Podcast. I do hope you pick up a copy of Mothership. I would recommend it particularly well in audiobook, actually, if you're an audiobook fan. Francesca reads it herself. And if you would like to listen to The Mothership Podcast, just search Mothership, two separate words, uh, in your favourite podcasting app, and it'll be sitting there waiting for you to devour. Don't forget to subscribe to The Vintage Podcast for more episodes like this one, and do follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Vintage Books. Thank you so much for listening, and until next time.